Hello, kia ora, and welcome into another episode of the Kiwi Football Fix, where we shine a spotlight on everything New Zealand football. Soon, we'll be joined by Phil Parker from Māori Football Aotearoa. They've got a massive game uh, coming up on Saturday in Rotorua. In fact, I think eight games, but he'll explain all of that shortly. First of all, we welcome into the programme Football Ferns attacker, striker, member of the OL Reign. Her name is Rosie White. Rosie, thanks so much for your time on the Kiwi Football Football Fix today. How are you? I'm great, thank you. It's good to be here on the Kiwi Football Fix. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no dramas at all. You are welcome any day, any time. Now, you've only been back in the country, what is it, about a, a month or so? You, you've done your quarantine and you, you got back just before Christmas. Yeah, creeping on onto a month. I got out of quarantine on Christmas Eve, so timed it to perfection it's been it's been really great to be back in New Zealand so what does a Kiwi summer look like for you is it um, staying put in one place is it tripping around to all the hot spots what what do you get up to well I've just been the last couple of weeks up in the Bay of Islands um, on a boat so that's been pretty luxurious to be honest a uh, bit of a bit of a change of scenery from my lifestyle for the rest of last year um, so it's been pretty fantastic yeah no, it must be a completely sort of different change of pace compared to what you've been putting up with and having to deal with in the United States. Have you, while you've been back, been keeping an eye on, how do I call them, activities in the United States? Yeah, definitely, you know, staying in touch with everyone that's over there at the moment. Um, I think it's pretty scary when you watch the news and, and read about what's going on um, versus kind of talking to people on the ground. But... Uh, it's a it's a pretty hectic place in the world for for a lot of different reasons. So um, it's been a, a very refreshing break to kind of just get away from that for a little bit and and be safe in, in New Zealand and relax a little bit. I'm a little um, challenged when it comes to well, pretty much everything. Uh, geographically challenged, uh, especially. Now, can you just sort of set the scene for us? You play with OL Rain. They're based in Seattle. How far away is Seattle from what we saw go down in the States a week ago when Donald Trump did what he did and everybody uh, marched the Capitol? You, you were quite far removed from that, right? Yeah, well, we're in Washington State, which is not the same place as Washington, D.C. That's mm. um, kind of the opposite side of the country, which is, I don't know, a five, hour, five or six-hour flight from where I am. Um, so yeah, some, somewhat geographically removed from that, luckily. Um, although it's it's not exactly calm anywhere, I'd say, um, in the States at the moment. Yeah, but even though you're so far removed from that, it must be quite disheartening, saddening to see what's going on in the country where you've, you've spent a lot of your adult life. Yeah, I mean, I think the States is a very complicated country and, um, I've been pretty lucky to experience some of its really good sides. And um, I think, you know, being part of the Black Lives Matter movement and having a lot of involvement with my teammates and um, sort of making a, taking a stand um, against racism and so many issues that are going on. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of luggage and a lot of horrible things going on, but I think... Um, there's also some pretty positive stuff and you can kind of get caught up in all of the scariness of it. But I think like my my goal has just kind of been to look in, into the positives and, um, you know, some of my friends are, are pretty awesome and doing some really cool stuff to kind of create some change. And, um, I, you know, I, with all of the horrible stuff, you get lots of 
amazing stuff happening at the same time. So it's kind of been an interesting place to be for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, Ro Rosie's deflecting a little bit here because you're saying that your friends are doing a lot of good things. Well, if you just happen to go through your social media feed, you'll see that you're also telling people to get out and vote. Black lives do indeed matter. And, you know, you're part of an OL Reign team that take the knee before kickoff. So, you know, you and your teammates are, are doing great things. And, you know, do, do you see that, like, as time goes by, the role of the professional athlete has changed as well? Like, it's, it's more about not just doing your job on the field, but correcting some of that misinformation that may exist in the media? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's you have an important role to play. You have a, a somewhat of a platform being an athlete with social media these days, you know, not necessarily me, but my, a lot of my teammates have big platforms in, in the States. And um, I think you, you actually do have a pretty cool opportunity to take a stand and um, a lot of athletes are speaking out because it's they need to and um, they weren't able to 10 years ago or five years ago, mm. athletes weren't taking the stand and, and making their political or social stance heard because they would get shot down for it. And I think it's encouraged these days for um, for people to sort of, you know, do something and, and can it actually affect change. And, you know, even in, in such a small group and just having those conversations within a team, you have such a diverse group of people. So it's a pretty unique situation to be able to learn from and, um you know, I think coming from New Zealand, you're so you don't understand what it's like in the states. And I certainly came from a very privileged and um, nice little comfy bubble, and um, it's it's been a really awesome learning experience to just kind of talk to people and and learn. What's the reception been like? Because obviously, you take a stance, and there's going to be a group of people that support that stance. There's going to be a group of people who are dead set against it. So, by and large, what's the reception been like to you and your teammates and other professional athletes taking a stand? Um, yeah, you definitely get the, the negative stuff. Um, people kind of get you get that sort of shut up and play attitude from some people. But I think by and large, um, people are really supportive, and everyone's sort of activated at the moment um, and thinking about the issues that people are taking stands against. So I think um, more than anything, it's it's a chance to unite people and and talk about something that's more important than sport um, and, and football. Mm. Well, what kind of America do you think you're going to go back to? You're, you're leaving New Zealand uh, to head back to OL Reign shortly. And the, the orange guy with the strange hair, he's departing. And we've got the husk of Joe Biden. I've been watching Death to 2020 on Netflix. They keep on referring to him as all these weird names. But Joe Biden comes in. What what kind of America do you think you'll return to? I mean, I don't think that anything um, is going to settle anytime soon. I think it's um, it's going to be a pretty intense place to be um, for a while. Um, you know, but I think. My my lifestyle and what I'm going back to do is um, I feel pretty safe and my partner lives there and you know he's been there the whole time and um, so I, I don't know it's 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 a crazy place to be and I think a lot of my friends and family are like why the hell are you going back there but you know I've been there for a long time and you just have to kind of 
live your life uh, amongst the chaos. Yeah. So what was it like actually applying your trade as a professional footballer in 2020 in the States? Like, what were the measures that were in place? Because, you know, some people, they, they didn't really want to quarantine, they didn't want to isolate, they didn't want to wear masks. But as a professional athlete, what did that involve for you? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was very interesting times. Um, and I think, you know, being part of a league, you don't actually have a choice um, on what you do because the rules are set. And if you don't want to abide by the rules, then you don't get to play. So we played most of our season in a big bubble. We All the teams played in um, in Utah and Salt Lake City, and we stayed in hotels for two or three months. Um, so that was a pretty intense period of time where you're kind of just staying in a hotel, going to training, getting tested um, every second day. Um, so we kind of spent all of our time either in the hotel or at the training field. Um, Is that something that you're going to go back to? It's going to be the same again for the next season? Yeah, I think it's all a little bit up in the air at the moment. Um, there's been discussions about doing a similar bubble-type situation, um, although I don't think it's feasible for the entire length of the season. Um, I think they're talking about doing a, like a tournament style, something early in the season, breaking for the Olympics if that happens, and then um, potentially returning to a more regular travelling season um, mm. towards the end of the year. After spending a little bit of time in New Zealand and you know going to, I don't know, maybe you've been to a few nightclubs or a few wineries or whatever and seeing people around not wearing masks, and, yeah, every so often you might check in with your your Bluetooth app or whatever it is, how strange, how different is it comparing New Zealand to the States? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just insanity. The first sort of week I got out of quarantine, I kept reaching to put my mask on, um, and it's, but I, I've gotten over that quite quickly, luckily. Um, but we're just in such a unique and special situation in New Zealand, so I've just been really trying to make the most of it and spending lots of time with people and giving lots of hugs and <laughs> being out and about. You know, it's just we're so lucky to have the freedom to to live our lives normally here, um, and it definitely won't be like that when I go back to the States. So, yeah, just, just laughing it up while it lasts. <laughs> it really helps you to appreciate the little things, doesn't it? You know, something as, as little as a hug, a hug of a family member or a friend. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it is insane. You just you kind of forget. Um, we had that four-week period in New Zealand. We were all locked down, and that was kind of almost fun because it was such a short period of time. But when you live that for a year, it's not it's not quite as fun. So, no. yeah, it's been really nice just to be able to sit down with a group of friends or a group of family members and have a meal and go out and do it. You know, it's just... Just being around people that are also just happy and um, relaxed, it's, it's been really nice. New Zealand, it's a beautiful place, I tell you. Yeah, if, if you're watching this show from somewhere else, try and get down here. Just do the 14 days quarantine. It's gorgeous once you get here. You can hug people. How good. We're, we're joined by Rosie White of the Football Ferns and the OL Rain on the Kiwi Football Fix. Let's actually talk football because quite recently you put pen to paper again with OL Rain. Was there anybody else you wanted to play for? Were, were there any other offers on the table? Or in your heart of hearts you were just like, I need to keep playing for these guys? I was really keen to stay with the club. I've spent a lot of my like professional career moving about um, and I've been at, at with ORN for a year and a half 
Um, so I was, I was feeling really good. We've got a new coach and a new organization and um, a bit of money being pumped into the club. And it's a really challenging environment. Like I, I've spent a bit of time sitting on the bench and having to really earn my spot. Um, but I love, I've loved the lifestyle and my partner's American and it's kind of been a pretty good setup for me. So I was really keen to stay and um, keep pushing. And it's a, a really competitive league um, to play in. And so, yeah, I was... I was pretty keen to stay and, and, and make it happen. You've spoken about um, Rain FC or OL Rain and Seattle as being a, a home away from home. Is that because of the familiarity after so long there or are there aspects of the city that remind you of New Zealand? Yeah, well, I've, I've done a lot of time in the States um, over the last eight years and Seattle's definitely my favourite place to be. Um, I think just like the natural being around the trees and, you know, an easy access to nature and it feels quite a lot like New Zealand um, at times. So that's probably one part of it. Um, and, yeah, I think it just, uh, it's just nice, a nice place to be and um, the group of people that we have with the club are, are really great people. So um, I'm just happy there and that's not always the case when you're moving overseas to to join a new organisation. Is Megan Rapino one of your friends? <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. You well, hang out regularly? Yeah, dinner every Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> how, how cool is it playing alongside somebody like her? She's so well-known, she's a brilliant footballer, uh, and, and you're rubbing shoulders with her and, and learning from her, playing alongside her. That must be a phenomenal experience. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, her presence off the field has um, become a lot bigger in the last couple of years. But she's she's just a really cool and fun person to be around as well. She, um, you know, she's she's pretty big time, but she doesn't act like it. She's just brings good energy to the environment and um, super competitive and always lifts the standard. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, she's just a great person to have on board um, and she makes a big difference yeah. on and off the field. Massive is... difference, yeah. What was it like, though? Because uh, my understanding is that she wasn't involved in the last campaign. She withdrew from it because of COVID fears. Is she getting back into it in 2021? Well, from what I understand, yeah, she just played um, or started yesterday when the US played uh, an international game. So um, she hasn't played any games in a while, but... Um, it's my understanding that she's she's playing this year and um, we'll hopefully get to see a bit more of her with the ORN. Wonderful. I've um, I've also read about you that the the fun aspect in football it's it's really important to bring the fun to the game, and I was thinking to myself how, how difficult that must have been in 2020, given everything that was going on in the US. Were you able to? retain that, that fun element to, to football? Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, it was, uh, 2020 was just a wild year for everyone. But I think, um, you know, being in that bubble when we were, the whole team was there and we couldn't go anywhere else. So the only choice we had to really was to hang out with each other. And, and that was actually kind of a luxury compared to what a lot of other people were having to do, isolating from everyone. We had a group of 30 people to hang out with and play games with and 
um, off the field, you know, it, there was, it was, I would say it was a pretty hearty year. There was a lot of great conversations and, um, but we had a, we had a pretty good time. And, um, when you have a lot of people that are in the same situation as you, it makes it a lot easier. So it was kind of just, you know, trying to make the most of a pretty crap year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to put it mildly. Um, so, so when you, when you talk about having fun with the, the game, is it um, banter with your teammates in the sheds before the game gets underway? Is it music that you play? Is it, what, what exactly does it involve? Um, I think it's pretty easy to get to, to make things feel really intense. You know, when you're competing at the highest level, it's always going to be so competitive and intense. You kind of, you can easily get sucked into that sort of, yeah, that intensity that is sometimes not fun. Um, but our coach actually kept reminding me, he's like, you're not the type of player that needs to be intense. Like you need to have fun. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. I play better when I'm having fun. And I think just, a bit of banter and work hard and play hard, you know, like you get to, you get to enjoy what you do. It's a pretty, pretty uh, luxurious job. And um, yeah, you can't, can't forget to just have fun because it's, that's what it's all about really. Yeah. That's pretty good from your coach actually, because it's, it's good um, that he's identified what you need specifically uh, and that you will be different from a teammate who's different again from another teammate and so there will be others who need that intensity before kickoff. They need to be, you know, focused on nothing but the game before the game gets underway. And somebody like yourself, well, you just need to be relaxed. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, I think I tend to when I overthink things and get too serious, I kind of get bogged down in that and uh, don't play with any freedom, which is which isn't good for me. But it works for others. So yeah, it's all about you know finding what works for you and. If your coach can identify that for you, it even, makes it even easier. Yeah, true. Hey, um, uh, you may not know this about me, but I'm a pretty big Liverpool FC fan, and uh, obviously you've spent a bit of time in Liverpool playing for the women's side. Can you tell us a bit about that experience, how it came about, what it was actually like playing in a city with a football team with such incredible history? Yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome. It was kind of um, when I first left university, um, I wanted time. Um, so I kind of just packed a backpack and was like, I'm going to go to Europe and try and find a team at some point. Um, and I ended up emailing a bunch of coaches and uh, Liverpool happened to have a player in my position leaving um, right around when I wanted to go. So packed up my bags and went straight to Liverpool and I stayed there for two seasons. And, um, it was, it was such an amazing experience just being part of such a massive historic club. Um, the sort of the woman's side of things has a long way to go to, um, make it a little bit more sustainable for, for females to play in that club, but just being part of the atmosphere of football, um, in England was, was pretty unreal. You just don't get anything like that anywhere else in the world. Um, well, probably in other places in Europe, but it was it was kind of an eye-opening experience to how big football is and it's really people bleed Liverpool. Um, and yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and so when you talk about the women's side of things has a, a wee bit to go, is that in investment money-wise, what do they need to sort of bring it up to standard? 
Yeah, well, Liverpool was actually one of the first clubs to invest in the women's side, um, and they did really well at the beginning of the professional women's league over there. Um, but other clubs have just started to invest a lot more money, um, better facilities, better uh, contracts with players and getting international players in. But Liverpool, I think, has kind of fallen a little bit um, behind the times, um, the likes of Man City and Manchester United now and um, Chelsea and Arsenal are really um, pushing. And it's kind of one of the most lucrative places to be as a female football player at the moment. Mm. How closely did you work with the men's team? Did you get to share a training paddock with them at all? Or uh, did you meet them once or twice? What was what was the situation there? Um, definitely didn't share a training paddock, but um, we, we had a little bit to do with them. We got to go to the games and um, we did a few sort of like media opportunities with them. Um, but yeah, it was... It was, it was like I said, they're a little bit, a little bit behind the times of uh, that integration. It kind of was a little bit frustrating um, being on the women's side because you're like, it would be so easy for that club to just lift the women's game monumentally with, with not very much effort, but um, not a huge willingness to do it at the time that I was there. Mm, right. Uh, hopefully they are lifting their game. And um, if they're not, this is Rosie White putting you on notice, Liverpool FC. You need to sort it out, all right? Get those women elevated to the same stage as the men, for goodness sake. Did you take any pride, did you take any pride out of the fact that um, Liverpool are now the English Premier League champions, though? Oh, absolutely. I love, I love watching them play. It's, it's so epic. They're incredible. There's a lot, a lot of pride. I'm definitely a, a Reds fan as well. Excellent to hear. Yeah, you'll always have a home here on the Kiwi Football Fix, Rosie. That thing, that, that is guaranteed, that much. Hey, um, before we let you go, uh, obviously we, we, we talked to you about your, your football career and that's what you do for right here, right now. But I'm also quite keen to know what's your next step beyond football? What happens there? And, and I read with interest that uh, you and a friend, you, you've started up this Move With Just Be just be yoga and mindfulness for um, children with autism. Do you mind telling us a little bit about how that came about and why that's so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so my friend, uh, Belden, uh, is, we've been friends for years. Um, she works with kids with autism um, full-time and she teaches yoga to them and um, does exercise classes and physical movement programs. Um, a few years ago, she asked me to do some illustrations for a yoga book so that she could teach from it. Um, and sort of fast forward to COVID era, we, her and I were brainstorming how we can use illustrations for her teaching via Zoom. And we kind of just have been talking a lot about designing sort of physical movement programs that are pre-recorded so kids can do them at home. Um, you know, I think it's been prompted by these crazy times where people are doing everything on Zoom. Um, so we've we've uh, we're in the midst of of starting a business um, where people can subscribe to doing sort of physical movement programs um, on a platform that we have yet to design. But we're we're running a couple of pilot programs with some families at the moment to sort of test the waters and and see what we actually need to do. But it's been a really, really fun project to be working on um, and definitely given me a lot of motivation off the field to kind of work 
work towards something that's still in the avenue of you know athleticism and sports but um a little a little bit different and, yeah uh, really interesting for me oh well done congratulations so is, is this going to be your post football plan or do you plan on getting into some coaching or some football commentary you know athletes like to keep some skin in the game but what what do you want to do once you've finally hung up the boots for the last time that's a great question that I don't really have the answer to. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I love, I'd love to be involved where, once I do hang up the boots. I, I do a bit of coaching uh, now, but this is kind of the first thing that I've done um, aside from football that I've been really passionate about. So pretty keen to pursue this at the moment, um, kind of alongside playing and then um, if we can turn it into a full-time job for ourselves, that would be pretty perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's not as though she's going to retire anytime soon. Just recently re-signed with OL Reign. And there's a World Cup on the horizon as well here in New Zealand. That's got to get you super motivated to keep playing for at least the next two years, Rosie. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think you can paint a better picture for yourself being in my shoes. Um, that would That's kind of the ultimate dream, playing in your backyard. We had that experience in 2008 in the Under-17 World Cup playing in New Zealand, and that was is still one of my favourite football memories. So potentially it might even be a nice like full circle playing, playing in the Under-17 World Cup in New Zealand and then all the way around to playing the Women's World Cup in New Zealand. It's, um, oh, I don't know about yeah. that. Hang on. So if you say full circle, are you saying that you'll retire after that? Oh, I'm not making any promises. I'm just... Taking it, taking it one day at a time, mate. <laughs> if you retire, that's a horrible promise. I, I don't want to see you retire. You're only what? You're only 27, for goodness' sake. No, 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 I'm not making any promises to retire. <laughs> Although it must be kind of, it must be kind of strange though, because you've had like more than a decade in the national setup. You you first started playing for New Zealand as as a 15 year old, so that is quite a, a stretch of time to be to be playing international football. <laughs> You're telling me, mate. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's been fantastic. I have no complaints. It's been it's been an epic journey. Yeah. What kind of team do you think you'll be putting together for that World Cup? When you look at the the talent that exists in the football ferns and some of the young girls that are coming through playing in the W League in Australia, do you think you'll be highly competitive come 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think I really hope so. <laughs> we've got a we've got a pretty awesome core of, of the group that's been together for so long, and um, I don't really think that many people will be keen to hang up the boots before the World Cup. So that'll be great, a great um, challenge having some some young guns coming in and really forcing us to be a bit more competitive um, within the group, um, and then hopefully on the world stage. But I think. You know, we're, we couldn't be in a better situation, really, having the World Cup at home um, for us to be more successful and um, a really cool opportunity to motivate more players in New Zealand, more female players in New Zealand to play football and keep playing football and even potentially getting a, a team in the um, in the W League mm. from New Zealand would be, would be a huge step for us because I think it's pretty tough when you don't have any professional environments in New Zealand for girls and um, I think that would be pretty massive. Yeah, that, 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 that point that you make, Rosie, trying to get more women playing the game, it's, it's the, 
the old question that, that I've asked a, a number of all whites and football ferns, how we, how we leverage off of having our teams play in World Cups or, on, in this occasion, in two years' time, actually hosting one. How, how, do, we, how do we make the most of it? Do you have any ideas? Right, yeah. I mean, it's it's a massive opportunity um, to to really push women's football in New Zealand. Um, and I really do hope we make the most of it. I think, you know, getting a professional team set up in New Zealand would be a huge step for us. And there's been a lot of talk about getting a team in W League for the last couple of years. So hopefully this might be the thing that pushes it over the, uh, over the edge. Um, but I think, you know, last time there was uh, uh, the Under-17 World Cup, there was a huge increase in, in women's participation in, in football. And I think just having the exposure um, in our country will be huge. Um, and I hope that, you know, the football firms as a team um, get, get the sort of recognition that we haven't had in the past, um, you know, get supported by the public and you know get more sponsorship on board to have more opportunities to play way more games and um you know i think it'll just hopefully create a bit of hype around the team and um you know the opportunities that there are for women's football on the world stage because it's going like this and i think new zealand's gotta gotta keep up with it and um yeah, massive opportunity, so pretty excited about it. Yeah, I'm hyped up too. I'm a huge supporter. Can't wait for... Oh, I'm going to have to wait another two years, but, Rosie, it's been fantastic to have you on the Kiwi Football Fix today. Thanks so much for taking uh, so much of your time uh, to join us and enjoy the rest of your Kiwi summer before heading back to OL Rain in Seattle. Oh, thanks for having me. appreciate it. I will definitely enjoy the rest of my Kiwi summer. Right, we're still on the Kiwi Football Fix and earlier in the show I said that we're about to touch base with the man, the boss, the founder, the chairman of the Māori Football Aotearoa organisation and here he is, it's only Phil Parker, my old teammate. Phil, how are you? <laughs> Mate, I'm awesome, Goran. I'm even more better now that I see you again. Jeez, it's been about 20 years. But look, we'll get to that shortly. First off, there's a massive day of games in Rotorua this Saturday. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. First of all, I, I, I want to know how this all came about and why. Why Māori football Aotearoa? Well, uh, when we look across all the other sports um, in Aotearoa, um, every sport seems to have a Māori element, uh, which then uh, seems to translate into a Māori team. Now, whether they're attached to the national organisation or not, there seems to uh, other sports has this. Now, football never had this. Um, so we explored the opportunity with New Zealand football uh, probably about mm, 17 years ago. And at that time, uh, it was it was a very, very uncertain thing. So we decided to run some uh, studies and some research and some uh, some hui, some meetings around the, around New Zealand. And we found that there was a need. Uh, and it was really exciting. Um, everywhere we went, uh, those that turned up, were really excited to actually um, hope that there was a coming together of Māori to celebrate being Māori. Uh, but for us uh, football lovers... Uh, we wanted Māori to come together to uh, participate in the beautiful game. 
Mm. So is that one of the uh, main objectives or missions to get more Māori playing football? Because, look, uh, I would suggest that most Māori would look at rugby union and rugby league and football would be a distant third. Am I right in saying that? Well, interestingly enough, Goran, um, across some of our aid groups, uh, we did some research. When we were doing the research, we found that uh, football actually placed really, really highly with Māori mm. um, under 12. And at, at one point in one of the studies, we found that it actually sat third for Māori girls under 12. Uh, and it was only topped by dance and netball. So that was a really, really encouraging sign that we that we saw that uh, for our wahine, our hine, our kōtero, our girls, uh, football was definitely of, of an interest to them. So, I mean, that, that made us really say to ourselves, we've got to do something here. I mean, I had a young girl and I wanted her to not only celebrate and, be part, and participate in football, um, but I also wanted her to grow up to understand all of her lineage, all of her all of her bloodlines, because all of our all of the bloodlines that she had connected to football in some way. So, I saw culture, football, sport, celebration, really all coming together at one at kind of one junction point, and that was to come together to put together an organisation um, and to create some opportunities. Mm. And uh, I suppose you've got some pretty mean figureheads, some pretty big names that work as ambassadors. Just want to tell us about uh, the, the names that are involved and what it is that they do exactly. Well, um, for us, balance is important. Okay, so um, with us, uh, Winston, we, we know Winston very well. Uh, I spent some time in South Africa in 2010 and that incredible run that we had, historical run. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to go along with the All Whites and kind of sit on the fringe of that, spend some time talking with Winston, not only Winston, but Rory, Bellin, Leo Birdos, Jeremy Christie. And we sat down and we talked about this concept and they were really excited. And um, Winston and Leo continued on. Uh, Jeremy and uh, Rory were really, really heavy into their careers. Obviously, Winston was just breaking through into the you know, into big, big time. Leo was kind of at, a, a, at an interesting point in his career. So between the three of between the five of us, basically, we said, "No, nah, we should do this." And so, in my kind of, um, I guess, in my spiel to the guys, um, it was around aspiration. We needed figureheads for um, those that had aspirations um, to be able to see who can actually make it, and then hear their stories, because mm. each one of those four young men have very interesting stories. And some of those stories actually relate back to some of the um, people that we've got involved now. Of course, on the other side, uh, I, um, I was able to um, kind of convince Amber Hearn um, uh, while she was over at over in Sweden, I think it was. Um, but again, exactly the same thing. Now, Wahine needs somebody to look up to. Um, but Amber's not the only one. We've got some incredible Māori women that have played and are playing. Abby Ursig's another one. Maya Jackman. Well, Jackman's the pioneer for Māori women, just like Winton was the pioneer for Māori men. So for us, um, we needed living examples um, of those that were playing at the very highest level of the game that um, Māori aspiring football players could actually relate to. And those two were perfect for us.
And so do they help out? I mean, somebody like Winston Reid, uh, I guess he would have made a little bit of money in his time with West Ham United in the Premier League. Does he um, just often stump up with a wee check for you, Phil? Oh, we don't. Uh, Māori are an interesting kind of a breed there. We... Um... We like to uh, we like to support. Well, we tend to support each other in different sorts of ways rather than outside of the financial. Uh, we would love to, but um, Winston is more Winston more of is, is is a spirit for us. Um, we support Winston. I mean, we want to support Winston's career, um, and we don't expect anything from Winston. Uh, Winston sends us some messages now and again, and now I pass those on to the groups. We get our groups and our teams together. And that makes a massive difference. So for us, a message, an email, any sort of connection back to them, to us, um, that's worth a million dollars for us. Mm. Hey, Phil, talk to us about what's happening in Rotorua this Saturday. It's a North v South clash. There are a bunch of teams involved, men, women, underage. What's the go? What's happening? Wow, yeah. So this year, OK, um, uh, COVID, COVID made us. Uh, COVID made us look inside ourselves. We generally around around about this time. We generally play our international Indigenous Test series against the Australian First Nations. Obviously, COVID uh, has made a massive change in that. So, what the North versus South to us means is our, our clear intention, a signal to say that we are going to develop internally. Uh, until until we can actually go out there and, and play internationally again against other Indigenous nations. So North versus South is us signalling not only to um, the football landscape, but to our people. Uh, we can do things internally. And North versus South has a history across a number of different sports. And uh, we're Māori are very competitive. As soon as we started to kind of bring up the concept of the North versus South, uh, yeah, it, it really went off. As soon as we kind of put a few kind of Facebook um, posts out, oh, wow, the, the response was massive. So that really told us, no, we have to do this. Because it also, what it means is we can expand the database. Instead of only being able to put out four teams against the Australians, we can now put out eight. So eight teams full of Māori, across uh, youth 16 boys, youth 16 girls, senior men, senior women. So this weekend coming um, coming into Rotorua, bombing into Rotorua, tonight will be the last uh, few uh, last few arriving into camps. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be putting on show on Saturday 128 Māori players across four games, uh, starting at 11 o'clock in the morning and concluding at about quarter to eight in the evening. All back to back with a little bit of a break in between, uh, but the most the most exciting thing for us, Goran, and particularly for me, um, is the haka. We haka, we have our own haka uh, that has been written specifically for our journey, our movement, the organisation, uh, but it talks about us coming together and what what we are doing and why it's so special. Um, and those hakas are performed before the games, and um, the hakas will be done before the every game on the weekend by both teams, and that's got to be epic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to see you do that, mate. I mean, I, hopefully, hopefully somebody's <laughs> recording you. I want to see the veins bursting out the side of your forehead, Phil. 
Oh, mate, I tell you what, last night, hey, just between all of us and that last night's hucker practice and that, um, <laughs> uh, the boys and I, yeah, we were ripping it out, yeah, and there was plenty of veins, there was plenty of sweat, uh, <laughs> and um, there was a lot of emotion, right? <laughs> and uh, the poop cunners are on, and some of the boys are getting really stuck into it, so, yeah, it's got to be awesome, and I know that on the, our, our female side, our wahine, our hine side, yeah, they're, they're, they're ripping into it big time as well. Well, I mean, hopefully you've saved some of your best for the weekend. I don't want you to have wasted it last night in practice, <laughs> eh? Hey, just before I let you go, Phil, I mean, it's been so long. Phil, Parker and I, we used to play out at Papatoitoi AFC together oh, many, mate. many, many moons ago. Um, are you still playing at all? Like, at, oh, at, a, at a high level? No, no, Corin, I was... Um, uh, yeah, I was a bit of... I, was, I, was, I teach the right things now to the young people. Uh, but I should have practised what I preach now. Yeah. Sadly, the body can't quite keep up with the brain and the heart. So um, I, I've just turned out for the odd, uh, odd, odd 45s now and again, a little half game, just a little bit of a touch of the ball, a couple little passes, get puffed out, and then I'm subbing. So um, <laughs> that's about the extent it goes to these days. Oh, so if you're listening and you're a sparring footballer, do what your coach says, look after your bodies. Even if you think you're, uh, you're Iron Man or Iron Woman right now, trust me, when you get past 40, you haven't looked after it, you'll know all about it. Yeah, geez. I just remember this guy charging <laughs> around the middle of the park trying to clean oh, up everybody gosh. off the ball, <laughs> off the ball, mind you. You know, I mean, how many yellow and red cars oh. did you pick up out there at Papa Toy Toy? Oh. Oh, Goran, we don't want to talk about that, Goran. <laughs> <laughs> but what I can say is what I can say, we had a list up at the club, and there was one name always on the top of the list for the for the seven seasons I was there, and um, and then there was a clear second. <laughs> and that's all I'll leave. And that's what I'll leave. And, and the second name wasn't mine. <laughs> oh, Phil Parker, a pleasure catching up with you, mate. Hey, go well this weekend on Saturday in Rotorua. All those matches, North v South, men, women, under 16s. It's, it's been great catching up with you, mate. Go well. Awesome. And we'll be live streaming it too. So anybody out there in cyberspace and that, if you want to have a, if you want to, if you want to tune in, check it out. Uh, it'll be on our Facebook page, uh, Māori Football Aotearoa Facebook. Tune in there. It's all free. We just want to get it out there and get everybody involved. And just before you go, you, feel free to tell everybody how good I was back in the day. You were good, Goran. You were, you were very good. Centre midfielder, you know, and, and you talk about me going around cleaning people up and being pretty tough. And You were pretty tough yourself in the middle. I kept it clean, though. I kept it very clean. Oh, no, you were, you were, you were. But you were tough. You were tough. I had no skill whatsoever, but I was tough. <laughs> Phil, great to catch up with you, mate. It'd go well this weekend. You too, Corin. Thanks very much, everybody. All the best. Oh, it's amazing who you unearth here on the Kiwi Football Fix. Phil Parker. Jeez, unbelievable. Listen, before we go, I need to tell you this. Phoenix, Wellington Phoenix, they are back in action in the A-League this Sunday night. Action is on Sky Sports 7B and Sports from 8 o'clock. They're up against Newcastle Jets. They were winless after the first three games. Let's see what happens with the Phoenix and the Jets. Obviously, the black and yellow without Alex Rufa after, you know, 
the red card controversy. And if we're looking at the ISPS Honda men's premiership as well, this weekend, Auckland City FC top of the ladder. They have Eastern Suburbs uh, for dinner, probably. Uh, and then there's the uh, Wellington Derby as well. Team Wellington, who are yet to lose in this season's competition. They've got the Wellington Phoenix Reserves. You can check that out on Sunday uh, on BN Sports as well. But, uh, yeah, on behalf of everybody who's taken part on the Kiwi Football Fix today, Rosie White, Phil Parker, wishing you a very good night. And make sure you join us back here next week, same time, here on Sky Sport. Catch you later.